We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Broncos for Breakfast, I am Nick Kendall, and joined by, as always, for these morning shows, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Scott Kennedy out there in Atlanta. Scott, how are you doing today? Happy Thursday. We are almost to the holiday season. I'm wearing uh, hoodies now to cover up my gills because it's it's getting to be like this around here with all mm-hmm. the rain. It's uh, I think I've told you before, it, you know, growing up here, I, I, I rode a motorcycle exclusively for like two years. I learned to hate cold rain. It's the worst. It's like, I'd just rather move north, just let it snow. So I did. I lived in lived in New Jersey for about 20 months, and it snowed and snowed and snowed. I'm like, see, I can deal with this. It's no big deal. And and then uh, May and June came along, or April and May comes along, and it's 35, 40 degrees and raining. I'm like, oh, your spring sucks. <laughs> you don't miss it. You just move it down the calendar. Well, right now, I'm smack in the middle of 45 degrees and rain, and I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, we have some uh, clear skies coming here right now, but it's it's colder than heck. We're supposed to get maybe four inches of snow or six inches of snow coming up here. And when it snows in Seattle, the whole city shuts down. We don't have salt. Can't use it because of the Puget Sound. Uh, we don't have plows, really. And it's a city of hills. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, when that comes. Luckily, we have a Jeep, but uh, who knows? Um, but it's coming for us and white Christmas, I guess. And let's say hello to some folks in here and talking about the holiday spirit. Jeremy, Sean, morning, boys. Let's hope Mama Sertan doesn't drop by today with any news. Yeah, that would be a bummer. Um, we also got uh, Colin Wood coming in here saying the whole sequence of events with Moody is just puzzling to me. Yeah, I guess we'll get into a little bit of that. So, oh, But first, let's say hello to Quentin Caldwell. Talk about the holiday spirit coming in with $5 over on YouTube. I don't recognize the name uh quentin caldwell so thank you for coming in we really appreciate you uh supporting us on here uh but yeah on tuesday yeah we but feeling about- quentin will probably follow up with a question a lot of times that comes in for first timers it comes in it's like and then the question follows so we're, we're looking out for you quentin since you're looking out for us thank you for coming in green my friend and welcome um, welcome to the show yeah welcome to the show quentin thank you so much uh, so, yeah, on Tuesday, we were talking about the offensive line, and we got into Natani Moody, who looked competent, I guess, at left guard, especially in comparison to f- fifth-round pick of this last draft cycle, and Luke Wattenberg, who was unbelievably un- inept uh, in his reps against Chris Jones and the Chiefs. Not even Chris Jones, but like Keelan S- Saunders and the other defensive he was, tackles. He was overmatched. Yeah, I mean, he was overmatched. And like yeah. we've said before, I don't blame him for that. It's not his fault. He, he yeah. never should have been in that situation. He shouldn't have been playing, starting at left guard. 
He was drafted as a center. He played a little bit of right guard in the preseason. He wasn't ready. That's not his fault. That's an organizational failure. I'm not, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to back off on Wattenberg. And if, if he were to say, you know, say, listen, you, you weren't good. You weren't ready. I, it's okay. I, you know, it, was, it just, it goes back to that last week's, you know, you wouldn't say that to his face. I mean, yes. Yes, I would. I, anything I say on here, I'm assuming is going to be watched by the person that I'm saying it to or about. And no, Wattenberg struggled. Yeah. And no, it's not his fault. He wasn't ready for that, Nick. Yeah. And I mean, we can even get into the evaluation, trading up for him in the fifth round for a guy who's going to be 25 years old that looked that poor in his reps. I mean, I know he wasn't ready, but at the same time, given the circumstances around him, given that he's an interior only offensive lineman, you'd hope he would look better than that in that situation now against Chris San- Chris Jones. It's almost a no-win situation, but he didn't look only bad against Chris Jones. I digress. Uh, then you go to Quinn Bailey, and that didn't go great. Then you put him Moody, and he looks fine. Now, I don't think he looked as good in pass protection as apparently his best friend, uh, Dalton Reisner. Uh, that's some information we got. Dude, Moody and Reisner are close. Uh, but he definitely looked uh, much better. And then I guess the Broncos got wind that the Raiders were going to sign him. The Broncos tried to sign him. And he chose to go to the Raiders instead, which mm-hmm. everybody's like, why would he do that? Uh, why wouldn't you do that at this point? <laughs> you know, like you have fourth string in the left guard spot. I mean, good luck to you, but I'm not valued here. That's what I'm, I'm going elsewhere. David M coming in says, hey, guys, really enjoy the show. I'm not a Broncos fan, but enjoy the chat. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a great community and we're glad you're part of it. So David from Aberdeen, Scotland. So I, I haven't been. I'm looking forward to going one day, uh, but welcome into the chat. Um, and. You, I text you my response as if I was uh, Natani Muti when when you sent me the news that it had happened. I was like, well, and there it is. You know, there's the news that happens. And it's like, and now you want to sign me? Now that someone else is asking me to the prom, now you're going to pay attention to me? After you cut me, you put me fourth in line for the guard position? And I think I signed that one GFY. <laughs> I'm out. You know, it's a job and you need a job, but the first chance I get, I'm out of here. And I don't blame him one bit and neither should Broncos country. And I don't think they do. I think the the, the blame here that I've seen almost universally goes towards the, um, towards the administration. You know, if they did come around and say, oh yeah, we really do want you on the 53. If they just let him go, I think maybe you would save yourself a little bit. It's like, what are you blaming us for? We didn't want him. You know, and that's that's how they treated him. So that's why he left. Yeah. And some murmurs that he didn't have the best relationship with current Broncos offensive line coach, Butch Berry, which there's been murmurs surrounding how he's received it all from the offensive line. Oh, it, if that's the problem, resign. You only got four games left of that dude. Yeah, true. But uh, maybe it's, <laughs> you know, you don't know if he's back or if not. He's but yeah, back, Butch- I'll be shocked. Yeah, he's he's number one on the probably. Oh, actually, he's one A on the no way, no way, no way. He's back list. Number two being offensive coordinator Justin Outen. Uh, but I digress. Uh, so Moody's gone. Are we making a mountain out of a molehill? Given he was, you know, a practice squad fifth round pick guard, maybe. But it's still, mm-hmm. you know, some of this. It's just put it on the list of things this year that make you go, huh? That's not a great look. <laughs> Yeah, of course. And that's why I said, oh, we we did try to elevate him. We did try and sign him. Well, you should have done that. You should have done that earlier. Again, value your people. And if you don't, then don't be shocked. And in Broncos country, don't be shocked when they, they leave. You know, why would he leave? Because he was cut. He didn't have many options. Yeah. And then he was resigned. The man needs a job. Well, why, you know, and, and you know, 
I think Diamond Rattler came in last night. He's like, but I thought all the players were, you know, he chooses to leave, but all the players are behind Nathaniel Hackett. Well, not the ones you cut. Nobody has 100% support. Reminded me of, you know, the Game of Thrones when there's when Tyrion's talking to Daenerys as they're under siege. It's like, the, you've had support of the citizens, and boom, it gets hit. It's like, well, not all of the citizens, of course. No ruler ever has the support of all of the citizens. Um, you know, not, not of, of course, you're not going to have support of every player, especially the ones that you have to, you know, part ways with. Um, But he was cut. He was re-signed to the practice squad, got an opportunity, showed well, and turned it into probably a 3X, 4X raise for the rest of the season. So good for him. Yep. Yeah, good for him. Not cheering against him. I hope he plays great in every single loss the Raiders have from now into eternity. Uh, Sunny days coming in here. Good to see you, Sunny Days, with the uh, laughing kind of nervous laughter face. Thumbs up in the hearts. Good to see you, Sunny Days. Bama X, morning Broncos country. And we got Rob Bucksbaum coming in. Good morning, Nick and Deacon Scott. Always the best MHH team. I don't know about always, but uh, no, we appreciate you very much for coming in here. We got Blade Bliss. Morning, Nick and Scott. Hope your morning's going well. Dom's in the house. Good morning, Nick and Scott. Broncos country for life. We got Sting Guy coming in here. And man, you guys field us the draft questions and we will talk draft. I'm starting to get to that point here. Thank God we got a first round pick to uh, to get into as well. But Sting Guy saying good morning, Nick and Scoot. Scoot. Okay. Um, I disagree with Todd McShay's mock for the Denver Broncos going with Jameer Gibbs in the first round. I have a third round grade on him. And he says the only uh, running back I have a first round grade on is Bijan Robinson. If he is available, George Patrick's would be nuts to pass on him. I am... I used to be like running back. No, no matter what. Now I'm kind of coming around a little bit because the value on running backs is in that first contract. And it's just the cost of business um, to take one and then use them for four or five years and let them walk. I'd rather do that than pay a guy a big second contract on the market. So um, I agree with you. And also Bijan Robinson is, I put him in the Christian McCaffrey, uh, Saquon Barkley tier of prospect watching his tape. So if he falls to the Broncos in the twenties, Sure. Uh, I think he's going to go probably top 15 despite being a running back and teams not valuing them as much anymore. Uh, but he's the only one I would be interested in taking in the top uh, 25 picks. Yeah. I've, I've said a zillion times that I don't believe in positional value on game changers. It's just, it's hard to keep a, a running back to get a game changer and get the longevity yeah. out of that position. You know, you can have a guy that's a game changer for three, four seasons, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Um, you know, well, what about this guy, Scott? Yeah, I know there's exceptions. Of course, there are exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, you know, you're, you're burning these guys up in a three or four year window, which is the rookie. And it's not like you have a long learning curve for Mm -hmm. a a 20 year old running back. You know, those guys come in and they can compete right away. Um, and, and then, you know, 800, 900 carries later, they're not the same guy. And if you can get them a second round, you know, one of the things you love, Nick, is the fifth-year option, but the fifth-year option is actually much higher for the first-round pick in his slot than almost every running back around. You yeah. know, that's we talk about Josh Jacobs. His They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Well, I see why. How he, much is the fifth-year option? It, it's it's I, I use Chris Lindstrom's as an example because he was drafted around 16 or 17, and his is $13 million. So the franchise tag for a running back is only like nine million. Yeah, so you would, yeah, you would so wave it to the franchise tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be considerably less, or I just pay you ten. You know, hey, yeah. Josh, we love you here, but your fifth year option is going to be twice what this guy's making over here, and he's pretty good too. Yeah. You know, we we want to give you an extension. We're just not going to pay you eighteen million for your fifth year. Yeah, when the highest paid the franchise, like you just said, the average of the top five is nine. Yeah. So, you know, it makes sense to have those guys go down into the fourth, into the second round anyway, because you, you don't have that fifth year option. Yeah. But no, but I, I agree with you. You know, again, if I can get a game changer for four years, I'll take him. I'll give up a first round pick for that for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, and Robinson looks like a game changer to me. Yeah. If you insert Bijan Robinson in this Broncos offense, you probably are top 20 next season. Uh, and that's just with that. You can probably keep the same offensive line and add him. The Broncos have to be bottom five in the NFL in EPA per target to the running backs. Maybe that changed a bit with the Marlon Mack touchdown, but they've been just dreadful. Um, those Russell Wilson dump downs, they go nowhere. Uh, there's no explosiveness after the catch. The running game has been dreadful. Um, their, their EPA stayed about the same, but their, the EPA from early in the season is greatly influenced by the fumbles that they had in terrible situations, um, which plummeted their EPA. If you take away the fumbles, they've been worse uh, the second half of the season than the beginning of the season. So it's uh, it's definitely an area they need to attack. And I think what Bijan is... did the offense look the best overall? Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. The, yeah. Game one. The, the, you know, they, they're moving the ball up and down the field. And yeah. it was it, then it was turnovers. It wasn't ineptitude. Well, that's a form that's of... That's a different kind of ineptitude. You know, what I, mean. you know yeah. what I mean on here. It wasn't an inability to move the ball that doomed them in that game like it has mm-hmm. in so many others. And that's when you start talking about the 
um, the the groundswell of support for Nathaniel Hackett. You're like, well, you know what? The one game that he had all his weapons, things were looking pretty good. Maybe, you know, but you're, you're not going to have many games where you've got all your weapons. Guys get hurt all the time. Uh, speaking of getting hurt and not feeling really well, was Gary Palmer, GLP, coming in yellow uh, on Super Chat. He says, high five, guys. Right back at you. First time I felt normal in weeks. Love any pod that has Nick and Scott. And we love you being here, my friend. I'm glad you're feeling better in time for the holidays. Um, not feeling well. Makes you appreciate a little bit more when you start feeling better. I'll, I'll yeah. give you that. It's a, it's almost like a highlight. Man, I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> instead of just kind of taking it for granted. So I'm glad you're feeling better, Gary. And and thanks for coming in. Yeah, hundred percent. One more draft question from sting guy. How do you feel about Clark Phillips from Utah or Devon Witherspoon from uh, Illinois? Those guys seem, you know, late round one, early round two. I haven't dug in too much into uh, Clark Phillips, Devon Witherspoon, man, that Illinois team, they played a lot of cover one this year and they put him on an Island. I thought he was better earlier in the year than later, but uh, he's going to have a chance to be a starting uh, boundary cornerback in this league. Neither he hasn't impressed me as much as uh, Keely Ringo, Christian Gonzalez, or uh, oh gosh, who's the other cornerback that's way up there in this class? Can't think of it right now. But Keely Ringo, Christian Gonzalez, and somebody else. But uh, I digress. Either way, um, good players, potential first round picks. I think Witherspoon. I like his size profile more than Phillips, but Phillips is a dog. If you're playing off coverage, you might prefer Phillips compared to Witherspoon, being more of a press boundary kind of guy. Um, we got Juan Espinosa coming insane. When a player is picked up off the practice squad, does that money go back to the team's cap space? He's no longer, although because it was a practice squad, does that go against the cap space? I'm not exactly no, no, sure. I, I think you just have 16 allocated spots. And, and frankly, it's like $207,000 anyway for the yeah. year. So it's point is that's like one ten thousandth, mm-hmm. I think, or one one thousandth of the total cap space either way. Um, so technically speaking, I think you just, you, you're allocated 16 spots, just like you're out, you're allowed to sign a veteran. You're allowed to have 53 players. If I'm at the cap mm-hmm. space, then I can only sign a veteran minimum player in order to do that. Um, even if it takes me over the cap a little bit, I believe. Um, but, uh, this, this one, in this case, you're allocated 16 spots at a set amount of money. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muti was cut from his rookie contract and re-signed as a practice squad player. So his contract, so when those guys get flexed up, even for the week, they get their uh, their veteran minimum, however, terms of service, the minimum pay. So they get a, a good raise that week whenever they get flexed up. And they can get flexed up three times before a team either has to waive them and subject them to the waiver wire or sign them to the 53. Um and, you know, you're eligible to sign guys off of other people's practice squads, but you have to sign them directly to your active roster. So you cannot sign a guy from a practice squad to your practice squad. So uh, Muti is being signed to the 53. When you read that happening, it means he's going to the 53-man active roster for the Raiders, um, where he was a practice squad guy. And the, the minimum is probably at least 700000 for him, and he was on two, so a 3X, 4X raise for him. So congratulations, Natani. Yeah, absolutely. We got Mr. Sir McLovin saying, what's up, fellas? It's been a while. I've been watching the show after it airs. Well, we're glad to have you live today, McLovin. We got Trevor Sandals saying, good morning, Nick and Scott. Always good to see you, Trevor. Uh, RJ, morning, can't miss Broncos for breakfast like I can't miss my morning coffee. Mm-hmm. Good to hear. Uh, we also got our guy Toyin coming in across the pond saying, good morning, afternoon, Broncos country. Awesome to see you. Uh, also, Lawrence Rivera saying, I heard some players are having some doubts. 
about the coaching staff maybe i'm not sure what the uh yeah we see this <clears throat> this came in we were talking about butch berry and you know just not getting along and of, of course you struggle mm -hmm. then you've got a lot of you know i call it the, the cya you know the cover mm -hmm. your hiney mentality and people are starting to say well it's this is what's really going on this guy has all the power over here and this guy's what happened all that stuff starts leaking out as people are starting to cover their own butts mm -hmm. and you you have to take it all and Take it all in and then use your brain and figure out what actually makes sense in some of this nonsense. And, th and the problem, what scares me, Nick, is some of the stuff that makes zero sense still may end up being true. The, the Russell Wilson power dynamic stuff that I hear, I, I, I roll my eyes on it, literally. I'm like, this can't be true. And it keeps coming around and around and around. But Part of me says, okay, who has the most to gain by this? And it would be Nathaniel Hackett and the coaching staff. You know, we mm -hmm. had our legs cut out from under us by the general manager who came in and got made this deal and gave him all this power and we were powerless. And we're out and we I want to be able to say that in interviews. So that's my flip side. Okay, who who has the most to gain by slandering Russell Wilson at this point? Um yep. behind the scenes. And it would be it would be the coaching staff. Yep. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying who has what know, to gain. If it's not true, where's your source? Who has the most to gain? And follow that line, and you're gonna you're gonna find your answer. Yeah, and there's probably some truth to it, but maybe not to the extent that is being reported or leaked. You know, truth lies in the middle. Patrick coming in here, morning gents, as we sip our lion coffee. Good to see you, Patrick. Hope you're doing well in Hawaii. We appreciate you, Ernie Mays, the one and only. Go Broncos. Uh, Clee to the to the T asking us another draft question. If the Broncos had their pick still, um, and they were this bad, who would you draft? Will Anderson or Jalen Carter? Personally, I think Jalen Carter is the best player in the draft. Uh, but Will Anderson is playing the edge spot, and that's a more valuable position. I really think that it's not a slam dunk that Houston goes Bryce Young, quarterback one overall. Uh, at this point, I think I'm not as impressed with the overall arm talent as Scott is the, the velocity on it. And, uh, the size makes me a little bit concerned as well. He's a good, damn good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But if I was Houston as terrible as that roster is, guess what? I don't care who I take in this draft. I'm going to be picking early again next year. Uh, so if I can get the best player, kind of like what Cleveland did in 2016 and take miles Garrett and be like, listen, this guy is the most can't miss in this class. We suck. We're going to be picking up at the top again next year. Let's just get the best guy possible and then uh, be back in the quarterback market next year. Um, something you something to consider. Also, another factor is the Texans have the Browns first round pick in the Deshaun Watson trade. They might think that, let's say, their number one quarterback is C.J. Stroud. Oh, well, C.J. Stroud is probably not worth a top five pick, but we have this Browns pick that we could move up and go get a guy. Let's get the best player in the class and then go get that quarterback. So we'll see. It, it might depend on who's available. Uh, at that number two pick as well. But I lean Jalen Carter right now. I will say I have a bias for amazing toolsy defensive tackles more than any other position. That's my favorite to watch. Uh, but Jalen Carter is incredible and my favorite in the class. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I haven't made up my mind on this one yet, Clee, which which way to go. Uh, I like the, I think you could put Jalen Carter as a 4-3 end. So I th- if you needed to, depending on how you wanted to use him. So the, the, the flexibility there uh, gives you options. Which is good. Um, we he just Nick just went through the the differences in, in edge, you know. Unless you get an Aaron Donald type, but again, I'm not counting as good as he is. Outlier I'm not drafting a guy outliers. thinking, okay, this guy's gonna be the next Aaron Donald. Okay, good luck, good luck with that. Um, so I, I haven't made up my mind on this one, but I wouldn't be surprised to see those guys go one and two. Um, what was funny is like, would you draft? When I read it first, the first time I said, would you draft Will Anderson or Jalen Carter if you saw the pick? Yes, of course I would. Oh wait, wait. Or like, would you? Which one of them would you take? <laughs> yeah, it's like this isn't a choice that y- you have to take one of these two guys. Uh, I I don't know. It's flip a coin and and I win. I might trade down a spot and take the other one if I could. <laughs> yeah, and that's something too. Like people, I think the first you could see some trades happen in the early in the draft, but I'm guessing that it comes after these two are off the board because yeah, you're you not might, gonna... you might not have a choice if you're at two. Yeah, one of them exactly. might go one, and you that's... might be, you'd be stuck with the other one. But yeah. you know that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Todd Smith in the house. Good to see you. Howdy, Broncos country. We got Trevor asking if a quarterback like Hooker falls to the Broncos at the, with the Forty Nine ers pick, do you take take a chance on him there in the first round? I wouldn't uh, take Hooker because of coming off the knee injury. You're going to be what 25, 26 years old. I also think you are a year early on the quarterback conversation. I think you need to build infrastructure around the offense more so this off season and take a backup level quarterback uh, somewhere in the draft or a free agency. But unless Anth- the only one I can think of is like, let's say Anthony Richardson falls to the twenties and you are absolutely in love with the tool set, uh, the toolkit that he has, which, I think he's somebody's going to take him in the top 15. He's just, unless he's a total, you know, but I don't want to use not going to happen. No, you can, you can watch him. One game is all it takes to watch him and see the way the players respond to him and everything. This guy is loved by, by his teammates and is a leader. He's a little bit older. That's okay. And you know, in this case for them, for them is what I'm saying for talking about hooker here for hooker here. Yeah. Yeah. You think he's going to go early first round? No, Oh, okay. No, I don't know that he goes first. I'm just saying, I don't think you have any character concerns with him. Oh, I was talking about Richardson falling and oh, okay, the okay. quarterback conversation. If uh, Richardson falls down the board and if the, you have questions about his intelligence or work ethic, or you have the same questions about, let's say, Will Levis and he falls. Um, if you love the quarterback, like really, really love, I, I'll never fault you for taking them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think it's a year early for the Broncos to take one. If he, If Hooker falls into the third round, I think you have a conversation, but with that first round pick, I'm not as about it for a hooker. The top four quarterbacks, we have a conversation. We got Mark Schrader coming in down there deep in the heart of Texas. Good to see you, Mark. He says, good morning. Good morning to you, Mark. We appreciate you. Our guy, Michael Ronquillo, also in the house. The chat jumped on me for a second. Good to see you, Michael. Always awesome to see Michael joining us today. And we got our friend Deanna Hendry coming in from Alaska. 
the what was it the 49th state to join the union or the 40 the 50th i can't ever remember i was i was speaking of birthdays i was like maybe i should go to alaska or hawaii whichever one was last yeah well you have we have friends there patrick's there and we got deanna in alaska saying morning gentlemen go broncos hashtag mhh for life awesome to see you bam x says nick i don't see what you see in anthony richardson he runs like a running back and he's probably got the best arm in the entire class he's erratic as hell but when Anthony Richardson, you, you plug in a highlight on him when he's well, he's gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah. wow. It's, um, I, I had this conversation, the Ohio state fans, when I was at scout, the Ohio state fans had this unhealthy obsession with Terrell Pryor versus Cam Newton. Um, and I was like, guys, Terrell Pryor can't throw. I'm, I'm sorry. He cannot throw. Tim Tebow has better mechanics and a better arm than, 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 uh, Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor was a, serviceable college quarterback because he's playing for Ohio state and he's a phenomenal athlete, but always should have been wide receiver for the next level. Anyway, the cam Newton in the sec championship game was phenomenal. He was the best passing game performance he had. And then after six weeks off, he looked terrible in the, in the, in the Oregon game and in and, and the Ohio state fans were like, see, look at this, look at this. This is what you're talking about. I'm like, listen, if you just watch this game, you'd think he was the number one overall pick. If you just watch this game, you'd think he probably shouldn't be drafted. Truth is somewhere in between. Can you take the top guy with the tools and get the upside out of him on a full-time basis? When I see what could be the best version of Anthony Richardson, I see a guy who could possibly be the best quarterback in this draft. Do I think he's there yet? No, I don't. He's incredibly inexperienced. And with the NIL money and stuff that we've talked about, he is someone who probably could have been better off staying another year but you never know someone could fall in love with those tools and say i'm the Indianapolis colts i'm gonna have matt ryan mentor this guy for a year and i'm gonna take him at five anyway so it's uh what i see is just someone who's just oozing with upside that's that's what i see out of out of uh out of anthony richardson bam max and it's also just a philosophical um, discussion for me. I'm drafting quarterbacks for their ceiling versus their floor. It's Mac Jones versus Justin Fields all over again. Justin Fields, you know, because of the pocket presence and the accuracy and the timing, you're going to be able to run a classic drop back play action offense with him. I'm not drafting guys for the quarterbacks for their floor. I can sign Andy Dalton if I'm looking for a floor. I'm looking for a guy that you cannot get unless you draft him in there. Right. And if it blows up, guess what? I'm looking for the next one. Um, so if it go, I'm look, I'm thinking about how it can go right. But it, again, with Ian, uh, Richardson comes down to obviously the traits. That's the only tangible thing we can take there. The traits are off the charts. Um, work ethic and intelligence. I mean, you listen to like Jalen Hurts interviews. That dude has Mamba mentality. Um, I know we say what you will about Kobe, but like his insatiable desire to be like great, almost to the point of like being a sociopath. You almost need that with your quarterback. Um, like, <laughs> You talk about it with John Elway. John Elway was so competitive. I want my quarterback that, to pass more, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but then the Mamba mentality. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> but you need that. And also, you need the intelligence. I want him to, um, I want him to pass more. Yeah. Uh, Ron Hall, good morning to you. Greg Smith in the house. Thanks, hey, 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 hey. Thank you for Ron the Hall. stars, Ron, coming in. He says, good morning from sunny Florida. Speaking of Florida, we were talking about. So thank you for coming in with the stars, Ron. Thank you so much, Ron. We appreciate you. I wanted to say hello to our guy, Greg Smith, as well. Always awesome to hear from Greg Smith. Uh, we appreciate you coming in. And uh, let's start to get into this. I feel like we are pretty uh, 
pretty well on the the path you're talking about this and we need to talk just a little real bit about quick this. before we go let yeah. me let me put a bow on on string guy here real quick uh okay. if you think we should draft a ol first round who do you think might still be available that deserves a first round grade string guy at this point i'm reading names okay i haven't watched and evaluated uh the Paris Johnsons of the world to the point where I'd say, I want this one over this one. I'm looking at traits. I'm looking at names. I haven't watched them as closely. I used to be all about, I'd watch 12 to 15 college football games a week. I'm not there anymore. So I'll spend December, January, February. I'll spend this next part of the season doing those evaluations. I'm not, I'm not there yet. String guy. Uh, I'll be at the shrine bowl. I'll be at uh, the senior bowl. I think between the two of them, they had, I don't know, about 150 guys drafted and I'll watch five guys of those and watch their, their video and everything over and over again and, and get all the tools to try and make a semi, a semi educated guess on where they go. Right, Colin. <laughs> you never know. Uh, Mr. Scary coming in saying O-line, O-line, O-line is what we need to draft. They need to pay offensive line and free agency before you even get to the draft. And then you need to take at least two in your top five picks. It doesn't have to be your first round pick. You have other picks, other means to improve the team, but it definitely needs to be up there. Ideally, it is your first round pick. But right now, based on what I've watched, there are only three offensive linemen in this class that I would feel good about taking with a first round grade. And that is not ideal. That is not what you want. That'll probably change. You know, I mean, there there will be guys yeah. that will show up, um, you know, from some of the smaller schools. It's been like that. Again, the Senior Bowl, I, I think Jim Nagy and his staff do a tremendous job because the, all the guys that are inviting are getting drafted. And, and part of that is talking to area scouts and doing all of that good work. But they'll they'll unearth some guys that have come in from Wisconsin Whitewater and North Dakota mm-hmm. and all these different places that are pretty good football players. Yeah, we'll, we'll- see. We'll offensive line most of the time is a offensive tackle discussion. And right now I think Paris Johnson jr. Is the number one, uh, put a bow on it for me. I don't think that one's going to change given the, a lot of times with offensive tackles, you have to have the prerequisite body type to land there. And then it comes down to the uh, movement conversation and the technique. And he's the only one to me for me in that class, Peter Scaranci, I guess you could put up there as well. I think he's probably going to end up in guard for me more than tackle. If he does have sub 33 inch arm length, but uh, he's very good. And then you have Broderick Jones at Georgia. After that, I don't really love any of them as far as like a top 20 kind of grade. Cyrus Torrance is a really good guard prospect from Florida. I would say he's pure gap scheme. Um, he's 340 pounds and he moves like he's 340 pounds. If you're running, you know, duo <laughs> constantly, you know, you can live with that. But I think the scheme versatility is not ideal uh, for him at the next level. After that, though, I'm not really in on any of the offensive lines. So, guys, I know everybody wants offensive line. We're going to be screaming for it. I don't think it's the best class at the top. I think there's depth uh, in the top 100, we'll, and we'll okay. see how it plays out. You've got four or five top 150 picks. Yep. Go go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I've been advocating for three offensive linemen, especially on the interior. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe four overall. Use those guys to fix the to address the interior line. Um, yep. You know, without having to use a number one pick on yep. on an ol and 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 get there, there you can you can get a lot better quickly without having to use big time free agent money or a number one pick on your offensive line because the bar has been set low yeah low yep and i guess you're gonna people are gonna have to call me the biggest cam fleming homer in broncos country but i think he's been fine out there while keying in on him uh the only game where he was really bad was when he was coming off a knee injury and probably wouldn't have played if they had other options to go to. And he got beat up by Max Crosby, who has beat up a lot of people where he's at what 70% out there, but I would be okay running back next year with bulls, 
uh, Quinn Miners and Cam Fleming as your starters there. And then you just have two spots that you really got to upgrade. You need to have a long-term developmental right tackle behind Fleming. But I think if you start next year with Fleming at right tackle as your starter, he's probably better. He's, he's a top 20, top 15 right tackle in the football in football this season. I don't think that's a stretch at all. Well, and some of the guys, Nick, that we talked about as long-term developmental guys in the later rounds are starting now. Mm-hmm. You know, Braxton Jones, for one. Um, yep. You know, where did he go? Fifth round? You know, we talked about yep. him all offseason. You know, what are you looking for an offensive lineman? I'm looking for tenacity. I'm looking for footwork and traits. You know, your, your attitude, your frame, and, and uh, you know, athleticism are going to go a long way. And he had arms that stretched out from here. He was plenty tall at 6'4 plus. I think he may have been tipping right around 6'5 and had good feet and went in the fifth round. Now he's starting. Yep. He, he's he's a guy that could have been had. We've talked about Abe Lucas a zillion times. There's, there's guys out there that idiots like, us can pick out you'd think that it's possible to do to get an upgrade and kathy talking about two other offensive tackle prospects here we're gonna have to spend a lot of offseason talking about these guys uh anton harrison offensive tackle from oklahoma uh, i think he was a very highly recruited player he passes the eye test he's very smooth and long i think his punch strength is lacking he kind of when he makes that initial punch on the uh pass rushers big 12 pass rushers at that his arms kind of crumple a bit i think he's not the most tenacious guy and he doesn't have the best uh grip strength at the point of attack he can overcome that against big 12 pass rushers because he is bigger and faster and longer than the guys he's going against i worry about that at the nfl level um from what i've seen so far he's very much a toolsy developmental guy if you're playing him day one he's going to get killed by the joey bosas and the max crosby's of the world he just can't he can't handle power right now uh, Darnell Wright is, I believe it's Darnell Wright, the right tackle from Tennessee. I love the tenacity he plays with, but he is a, he's a lumberer. Uh, he watching him. He really reminds me of one of my, uh, draft crushes a couple years ago in Tevin Jenkins, where he's like, okay, is he a guard? Is he a tackle? He's an ass kicker. I'll tell you that much. He might end up on the inside. Um, but if you're running a gap scheme, I'd love to have him. If you're asking him to, you know, screen on the boundary, uh, get to the boundary to make a screen block or play in the zone scheme. I don't think that's great from the tackle spot. I just don't think he has the ability to move like that. Um, but both of these guys, I think are more so uh, middle uh, round two kind of guys, rather than a top 20 overall draft pick based on what I've seen so far. I haven't done a deep dive on every single player so far, but you know, watched a couple games of these guys and like you watch the reps and it's like, okay, this is what this looks like to me based on the traits in the movement. I used to call it's, it's a little bit different in the NFL because you're doing, grades but i used to call some guys one play offers hmm. like it's like oh you're so arrogant you think you can got watch a guy one play and, and give him an idea where he should be ranked yes those guys i can yeah it depends on the position <laughs> one, too i, I only like, need one yeah. play i can watch today even clowning for one play and say yeah he's an offer that's yeah. all it took he's six yeah. five plus 230 pounds doing standing backflips in his full gear uh and then goes out and sacks quarterback and you offer that guy yeah. give him a scholarship i've seen enough 100 percent uh gary hoover coming in saying good morning guys thanks for doing the show any idea on potential free agent offensive lineman the broncos could get i always like to see who is released uh before that happens um because the class is totally different um one week before the free agency starts elton jenkins is the name that keeps coming to mind to me as far as a left guard he's been one of the better ones in the league past few seasons but we'll see if he is back in green bay or if he'd even be coming uh be, be interested in coming to denver i i hear a lot of uh movement for the uh, Chicago bears in the Elton Jenkins front. They have the most cap space in football. Luke Getze is the offensive coordinator there right now. And he obviously worked somewhat in a staff with Luke Getze there with the green Bay 
gutsy coming from the Packers where Elton Jenkins has been good. Other than that, though, I mean, want to see what the class looks like after people are cut and people are resigned uh, in that exclusive negotiating window. Yeah, the, the high price, the highest price ones of the guys are typically the older ones. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. being one of the exceptions. He's actually a, a free agent. He was on 16-7. I bet he doesn't get 16-7 next year, Nick. No. Yeah, probably not. Um, but uh, we'll see. And McCaffrey coming back in saying, I write out some sneak athletics and see the spin move. I think anybody can spin move if you're playing at the NFL level. It doesn't mean that it looks fluid. And I know which one you're talking about. I <laughs> I don't see the athleticism there with Wright as far as the NFL caliber. You put on his tape next to a Tristan Wirfs or a Penny Sewell, and they look like they're playing def- different games. I think Wright's could play tackle some, um, but ideally I think he's more uh, a guard in a gap scheme, which if you're looking to run gap, you can probably live with it if you're trying to protect him on the edge, but he's... I don't trust him enough to be an ISO blocker in against speed pass rush. And you probably need to check that box. If I'm going to use a top 25 pick on you as a tackle. I'm um, glad we found you on Twitter, Kathy. I've started doing that. That's something that we, we don't do a good enough job of in the morning of tweeting out, Hey, we're alive. Come and see us. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember to do that every morning um, to get that out. So glad we glad it worked. That was why I did it to find you. Good to see you, Kathy. We appreciate you. And other tackles, I know Ohio State has a right tackle that's absolutely massive. Uh, Last name, Jones. If you're running gap scheme, I think he's actually so big that he will stick on the outside. He moves a little bit like Frankenstein, but he's like got a seven foot five wingspan. Frankenstein's monster. And investigations, details matter. He moves like the Reacher again, going to sleep. So he uh, he likes to correct you on that. Frankenstein was the doctor. They were after Frankenstein's monster. Well, he moves like the doctor. You know, it's very precision <laughs> cuts. No, um, no. Feeble, uh, hunched over. <laughs> cranks that switch um, with electricity, all that. No, but uh, getting into it here. God, I'm excited for Ohio State versus Georgia matchup now that I'm thinking about it. That's an offensive line versus a defensive line scouting heaven matchup. Uh, but Cardinals game. Scott, I think the Broncos got a chance in this game. Uh, I think the Broncos can actually come away with a W against the Cardinals. Uh, this Cardinals team has been going the wrong direction for a while. It feels like the writing is on the wall as far as the coaching staff there. I think a lot of people are over the Cliff Kingsbury experience. Kyler Murray's out. Uh, this is a team that's looking to survive these next four games and head on home where you could have probably said that about the Broncos. If they would have lied down and died 27 to zero against the chiefs. Be like, okay, this team's ready for the season to end. They fought back, man. They mm-hmm. they got up off the ring. It'd been easy to just like go to go to sleep. Fight's over. Nope, they got up and kept fighting. Um, so I think this is a game that the Broncos are going to want more. They're going to fight more. And at this point in the season, with two teams with nothing to play for but pride, I think the Broncos are going to have more pride to fight for, and they're going to go for it. Well, and I think they've got a more dominant single entity in their defense. Yeah. You know, so if 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 Kyler Murray's in there and they're putting up a bunch of points and losing, say okay, this becomes interesting. Um, you know, and if, if the defense hadn't been playing well, but the, unfortunately, as I've said, you know, ad nauseum is this defense will keep you in pretty much every game, unfortunately, solely your offense for the wrong reason. So you're in a lot of close games because you don't score enough points, but your defense holds people down. Typically, typically, um, I will say, however, despite the early score, the defense did get you back into this game against uh the Denver against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs that said I agree with you 100% I used a lot of the same analogies when we were talking about the Indianapolis Colts coming to town that this team was one push away from going off the ledge they were you didn't take advantage of it unfortunately at the time the Broncos kind of were too 
Um, but I think this Arizona Cardinals team, to your point, Nick, is kind of already off the edge. They're, they yeah. they got an eye on February. You know, they're, they're, they're players on contracts or look at calling their agent saying, okay, I need to find my next gig. Um, trying to stay healthy. You know, they're, it's, it's not a team I think that is going to go out there and look their best and their best hasn't been all that good. Anyway. I, I like the Broncos in this one. Yeah. And I think as long as they are maintaining some relative health on the defensive side of the ball in this one, you, you made a great point. The Broncos defense is better. The Cardinals offense, they are pretty good in the on the perimeter you know it's an air raid centric team as much as a college football or an nfl team can be air raid with you know rondale moore robbie anderson deandre hopkins they don't run the ball that well and their offensive line is not great i mean this is a team that has been needing to draft and eat their veggies for years now they've been <laughs> drafting linebackers to first round two of the last three years and despite their first round investment in the linebacker spot they're the worst defense in the nfl in points given up per game because their trenches are terrible. Their cornerbacks are dreadful. And how bad are they? They're even worse now because they just released uh, Tavon Mullen, who they traded for before the season, who was their number one boundary cornerback coming into this game. And now he's gone because the Cardinals would rather keep a six round pick, sending the Raiders a seventh versus sending them a sixth and keeping the seventh. So they're saying, you know what? We'd that. And that's a, such a small margin in the draft six versus seven round pick. That's where they're at as a team right now. Well, and they probably saved a little bit of money too. Uh, yeah, I don't know, yeah. but say, you know what? We're we're already looking so much for next year that we'd rather have a six round pick instead of a seventh than this guy for two more games. Yeah. Ouch. You know, and again, what kind of message does that send to the locker room? The message that Phil McLaughlin sends in is always positive. He comes in, he says, Good morning, Nick and Deacon Scott, go Broncos, MHH for life. Good morning to you. And certainly appreciate you coming in with the stars on Facebook. Always appreciate the effort, Phil. And the support on all of our shows. And again, that sends such a message, you know, to to send a guy and get like a good draft pick in return. Okay, most players would understand the Bradley Chubb move. They really would. And it's not going to affect them mentally as much as like this team has given up. Some might even think this is an opportunity for me and I can step up. Uh, we saw a little bit of a bounce last year when Von Miller was traded. Um some guys stepping up in a different position. This one to me is this one is cold. And and I, I like to make fun of the, the high and mighty, the hypocrisy of the, uh, the owners of the Miami dolphins. Oh, he's talking about tanking. He's talking about it. Yeah. You're not allowed to talk about it. They're all freaking doing it for God's sakes. You incentivize teams for losing. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to lose. Just don't talk about it. It's bad. This is tanking. It's tanking. You just can't call it that or you'll get fined. Anyway, Broncos over the Cardinals. They've got yeah. no incentive to tank because the Seahawks have their pick. <laughs> yep. 100%. And another thing about the Cardinals. So we already kind of, I already got my dig in about the value of the linebacker position. Sorry, Luke. I like to tease you about that. Luke Patterson, we debated a lot about the linebacker position the last few seasons. Um, but this Cardinal team has used a top, I think, eight pick on Isaiah Simmons, who's a unique player, but horrible in his run fits and the physicality and the ability to take on blocks. And you got Zayvon Collins, who's, you know, incredible looking athlete out there. He's a fine player, but not really enough of a needle mover at his uh, stack linebacker and how that today's NFL landscape is shaping up when your cornerbacks and your pass rush is as poor as the Cardinals. And in order to make up with the issues of the pass rush, the Cardinals have, this is the number one blitzing team in the NFL. Uh, so the Broncos this week, 
this is a prime Jerry Judy game as long as the offensive staff and coordinator can set up Judy to be quick release, uh, get open, you know, immediately kind of routes. You do lose a little bit of the vertical passing concepts from Judy if you are using him more as the hots to overcome the blitz. Um, so that's something you want to watch for here. But personally, I think this is a game where you can get Judy in space quickly. And as long as the timing and the throws are fine, you have a chance for some yak, which is something this team has lacked mostly all season. I feel like the Marlon Mack intercept or touchdown pass keeps getting in my head here. Oh my God, look at all that yak. That's been like the only time this season I can even remember something like that happening. Um, uh, and it was right on the heels of me saying, Nick, this team gets zero yards after the catch. It's like the entire team turned into Noah Fant. And maybe it wasn't all on Noah Fant. Yeah. You know, everybody's caught and tackled. There, you know, there's there's no space where you're catching the ball in space. You're catching the ball. It's, it's every catch is contested. Every catch is someone draped all over you. That you're not going to get anywhere. Um, so it was good to see that. Also good to see Lady. Uh, I'm not sure if you're comfortable being called Lady D. I'm not doing it until you give me the thumbs up. You definitely need a nickname in here. Uh, Deanna Henry coming in. Uh, coming in bright yellow for us with a super. Says Hackett better be gone. Any other coach would be better. Off to work. Have a good day at work. And um, maybe see you tonight on the Mile High Huddle podcast with Zach and Chad. Um Again, I, I think this has already been decided, Nick. And I, I know there's some talk about it. And it's to me, it's almost like, you know, you want the guy to succeed. You really do. He seems like a good person. But I think it's already been decided that he is going to be, you know, last year we're talking about, oh, if he wins game 17, could Fangio save his job? What, what are we talking about? No, this guy's been gone since week six. I think, I think Hackett's gone. I think there's more support in the discussion trying to send him out on a good note because people actually like the dude, but yeah. I, I think he's, I think he's gone. I'll be really, really surprised if he's back another year. Four more games left. If they keep competing and they win two of the next four games or hell, even three of the next four, then I think it's a conversation. If they lose, if they go one and three down the stretch or zero oh and four bye. Uh, but I think some of it is there's already conversations, you know, between agents and whatnot, about, hey, would you be interested in coming to Denver? You know, putting the the feelers out there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you heard, Luke mentioned yesterday, but Joel Klatt was on an interview yesterday saying that there's not a lot of interest in this uh, Denver head coaching position right now because some, some, uh, some conversation has gotten out there about the power structure with Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. And that's a concern. Also, some head coaches might feel that it is a, what's the position called? What's it called when you're going to be a one and done? This like... There's a word for it, like a dead duck or something kind of position. Yeah, it's a lame, it's a lame duck coach. Lame duck. You know, that's what yeah, it is. Come in. Mm -hmm. Because if you come in and you have a one year with Wilson and you don't believe in Wilson or nobody believes in Wilson, you have to run a specific type of offense with Wilson. And you know that George Payton is a potential uh, hot seater gone kind of position there. Then you come in as a head coach and you're, you might be done. And then you're talking about four different head coaches in four years. Okay, in and I got 50 million to do it. Okay. Yeah. You know, Not our and, money. And my no, reputation's in check because <laughs> you guys are a clown show. Yeah. Um, you'll be okay. Like I said, Nathaniel Hackett's not going to have any trouble getting another job. It might no. be a year before he gets another head coaching job, mm -hmm. but he, uh, he he's not going to have another. He's not. He'll be employed again pretty much as soon as he wants to be. Um, might take a year as an analyst. I don't know that you and I have been on here. Maybe we have, and I've just thought about this a little bit more. The discussion of one more year with 
with Hackett because then you can make a clean sweep of quarterback, general manager, coach after that year if you want to. Well, what if it's Peyton that wants to make the move and he's not? You know, it's like, wait, I'm tying myself to Hackett, who I hired, and I I, I made a mistake. I, I don't I want to be out of here. And I would now, say that then you're gone too. Tied to that position, you know, then he's going to start doing things you don't want to have happen. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, and it could be just as simple as again leaking out information of the ownership is this and all this kind of stuff. And it's just, it's toxic. I hate that yeah. word. I really do. But it, it is, it's a, it's a, if someone doesn't want to be there or doesn't believe they should be there, then you need to get rid of them. You know, it's, yeah. and I, I think, I think Hackett's gone. Peyton's not safe. No, you know, it could be a clean. The only one I feel confident being a Denver Bronco next year, at least getting paid by the Denver Broncos next year on the active salary, not in severance is Russell Wilson because of his guaranteed contract, because he's the only one that's on a salary cap. Um, Peyton could be getting a, a, a nice severance. Hackett could be getting a nice severance. Russell Wilson could be mothballed at only $22 million on his cap hit, but he's going to be around for another year. I mean, he's going to be on the salary cap, the active salary cap for at least one more year. Yeah. And just getting into that a little bit, I think it'd be pretty easy to, I mean, there's already rumors that maybe the, Ownership group has Ixnade, the contract talks uh, coming out now because we're in an evaluation uh, yep. position. Well, you talk, about Peyton? Talking about Peyton, and there could be a, okay, you hired this guy. We need to see it out this season. Um, we're not going to give you the uh, onus to hire another guy. Um, or extend any players. They, they've thought, they have limited George Peyton from doing his job. That is a big indicator. Yep. Uh, you want to talk about playing poker and you want to know what a tell looks like? That's a tell. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a concern, no doubt. But I think if I was the ownership group and you were that strategy about running it back with those guys, I'd probably have somebody who you trust that is a advisor of some sort that any move is uh come to you and okay, well, mm -hmm. you, you know, it's our money still. And you had to have okay from us to Russell <laughs> Wilson. We gave you, we trusted you in that one. We don't trust you now. So any move now, oh, you want to trade up into the top 10 to go get Bijan Robinson. No, that's a very short-term move. Um, so we're going to Ixnay that one, or uh, not allow it. So how many times can I say Ixnay in one uh, run-on sentence? But uh, that's it's definitely a conversation uh, to be had right now. And the other part is, again, you roll your eyes at the, and I do too, uh, to the extent of would another head coach want to come here? But they could get somebody in here. It's The question is, is it somebody that they are they want to come well, in here. Dan one of the Quinn coaches. stuck around another year. Dan Quinn absolutely could have been a head coach next year. Yeah. He got a nice raise and is being paid very well because he wanted to play one more, one more year at the Dallas Cowboys. So again, I'm not saying you're going to have your pick of the litter. Yep. It, it will be, but you you will have candidates lined up. Yep. You might not get your, and, and if I can't get my top five, then I don't want anybody. Okay. I, I get that too. So let me, let me hedge on that a little bit, Nick. I, I, I agree with you on that. Nick, he says, I don't know how you keep your job after trading the two and nine picks plus more then extending him for $250 million. He says, and I'm not joking. I'm like, no, that's not a joke of matter. I didn't think you were joking at all on that, Aki. I I, agree. I get it 100%. Like I've said, I, I would advocate, if I'm on the board of directors and I'm not, I would say I would probably give Peyton one, one more chance at this because he's going to tie himself. Whoever's the coach next year, whoever it is, George Peyton's future is tied to that person. If he's still here. <laughs> Yeah, if yeah. he's still here. Yeah, <laughs> if he's yet. still here. If if yeah. if it's Hackett for one more year, then they're both gone. If yeah. if they go one more year, if he hires somebody else, 
he probably gets to stick out however long you keep that coach. Yeah. Hundred percent, and it's not just you know nine and two, but it's also what was it forty and thirty five right now? Uh, those are some valuable. Like I mean, those are and more. Those are know, valuable picks. Yeah, yeah, those are valuable. It was, picks. And it was and more. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, so getting back to this Cardinals game, I do think the Broncos are going to win this one. Uh, the big thing being, I think this you mentioned it. The Broncos defense, I think, is going to get it done. I also think that the Broncos offensive line, they're actually going to be able to get a little bit of movement in the run game in this one. I kind of liked what I saw a little bit from Miners and Fleming in this last game. Now you're without Moody now, but I think Reisner will be back. That should improve. And also because of how the Cardinals are so inept in the secondary, their pass rush is poor. They have to blitz. I think this is a game where actually Brett Rippon, I don't think he's a good backup by any means, but as far as identifying the pre-snap reads, the hot read there with where the pressure is coming from, getting the ball out quickly in the, the quick pass game, that's where Rep Rippon's at his best. Uh, so I'm looking for, and also finding your matchups where you can take your shots. He actually throws a decently pretty nine ball uh, with some chances for his guys to go get it. So I think it's a good matchup for the Broncos, regardless who the quarterback is. Uh, I think that they probably win with either of them. The big concern in this one is they have to protect the football. Broncos have actually been pretty good this season at uh, limiting offensive turnovers, especially in the second half of the year. Uh, the Cardinals, though, are number one in the NFL. They have the most points given up by a defense. They also have the most defensive points scored. I believe they have three interception returns for touchdowns. I think they have three fumble returns for touchdowns. Two of those might have come in that Raider game where they made that crazy comeback week two or week three. Uh, but Broncos just protect the football, and I think this is a team you punch them in the mouth a few times. They're not going to want to get back up. Well, we saw a nice screenplay with um... – with Marlon Mack, if Brett Rippon's in there, even at six two, he can do a little better job of throwing those middle screens into the face of a blitz. Mm-hmm. I mean, Russell Wilson didn't have a ton of incompletions, but I felt like three quarters of them were swatted footballs at the at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, were, were batted balls, and one of them happened to go up in the air and return for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, you know, so how how can you adjust? Like you said, identifying the blitz and going right at it, and, and play calling can be part of that too. You run a screen against a blitz. It's you, and if it, if it were, if you complete it, it's here we go. You know, all those guys are back there and I got typically at least one, two offensive linemen in front of me. In this case, it's usually just Quinn Miners because he's the only one that could run. <laughs> but, you know, um, I felt like, you know, when you're, especially when you're watching it on condensed where it's, you know, 40 minutes in a game, I, I felt like I was watching volleyball at times. Russell's back to pass and SWAT. You know, the pass is batted down at the line of scrimmage again. Um, so a little bit extra height on that and identifying the blitz could be a very good thing um, to attack a defense that takes a lot of chances. Yep, that's the way to do it. And as far as the Cardinals offense, their offensive line is horrific. Um, they just they've neglected it for years now. They've been an injured unit. Uh, pretty much all the moves they've made there have been come up, you know, bad. Uh, DJ Humphreys is a f- okay left tackle out there, former first round pick from Florida, end of the first round. I think he was in the same draft as uh, Shane Ray, uh, better pick than Shane Ray, I guess, in hindsight. But uh, other than that, I don't think they have very many movers in the offensive line. They got some okay wide receivers. One um, interesting tidbit to watch in this game, and this kind of brings it back to where we were debating a year ago. A lot of Broncos fans really wanted this player at 64 overall in Trey McBride. Uh, he went earlier than that, but he ends up going to the Arizona Cardinals. Now the starting tight end there after uh, Zach Ertz is out for the season with an injury. 
Trey McBride has not looked very good uh, for the Cardinals. Now you can blame the scheme. You can blame the quarterback. Uh, but right now, if there's a redraft going, uh, going on in the draft, I would say pretty easily Greg Dulcich would be the first tight end off the board. I haven't watched every single tight end, but he's looked better than Trey McBride, who I have kept an eye on because I was not a big fan of him last year. Wally Woods has been pretty good with the Colts. He's been okay. He, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He he's had a okay. couple really good games. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the red zone aspect, but mm-hmm. I, yeah, Johnny Woods might even go before uh, Trey McBride as well, but uh, the Greg Dulcich versus Trey McBride uh, battle here with the first and second uh, tight end off the board in this upcoming draft will be a fun battle uh, to watch and kind of just take stock on just to, you know, confirm our priors. Um, looking at the chat here, talking about Peyton and there's some back and forth in there. Cause there is a debate to be had about whether he should be back or not. And I like 100%. Pam X's comment. He says, Jeremy, to be honest, I'm still saying in Peyton, we trust, but I'm slightly glancing side to side now. So I think, I think Bam X, there might be a little question mark on there and Peyton, we trust. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't trust anybody. <laughs> I trust people to do what they think is best. I don't trust them to get it right. This whole the minute I say, you know, you're you're having this debate about somebody where you ask questions and someone says, oh, I guess you know more than the coaches or why aren't you a coach? I'm just like, dude, go away. That That's not a discussion. That's not an answer. Every coach is fired. Every coach makes mistakes. And I'm not saying that I would do everything right, but second guessing is part of being a sports fan and analyst. They're not going to get them all right. Hackett made the mistake of being honest and saying, I second guess everything I do. Of course he does. You're never 100% sure on really anything. You're always weighing the odds and what is the best decision and should I, would I, that's how you learn. That's how you get better. So um, again, we, we, we did an entire show on this, Nick, on, on Peyton, but I think on the whole, you know, if I'm, if I'm getting one point for what's right and one minus one for what's wrong, the ledger's definitely in the positive. The problem is the stuff he's missed have been team killing moves. You know, the, the, the they're big ones. The, the, the Nathaniel Hackett hire doesn't look good. The Russell Wilson trade looks lopsided and the extension looks disastrous. Any one of those three will kill a season. You got three of those strikes. So anybody saying, yeah, I, I want him gone. I, I get it. I, I do. I, I would not talk you out of that one. Um, I would point to a list of things that I thought he has done very well for this team to say, I I want to, I want to stick with him for another year. Yep. hundred percent. So we're getting down to the wire here, Scott, I'm going to give you an out on this one. I want your score prediction with Brett Rippon starting at quarterback and one with Russell Wilson starting at quarterback. You know, I heard this one last night. Um, I remember when Colt McCoy was coming out of college and this was one of those times I was saying that, you know, Former players don't always make the best uh, judges of talent because I was having this discussion. Oh, Colt McCoy should be top 15. I'm like, he's underarmed and undersized. That's not a good combination in the NFL. Been a good backup. Congratulations for him. But he was a magnificent college quarterback, and so be it. But I think Broncos win this game with either quarterback. Um, I think with Russ, a healthy Russ, they probably win it by 10, somewhere 20, you know, 24, 14, maybe I have, I even have trouble picturing them getting in the end zone twice. 21, nine, 21, wow. 10, 24, 10. I like, I like the Broncos in this one. And then somewhere similar, you know, 19, 10, uh, with ripping somewhere in there, but I like the Broncos in this one. I like it by double digits in a low scoring game. I think the over under is still 35, which puts it close. I wouldn't touch the over under in this one. No. 
yeah, I mean, losing Kyler Murray the way they did on Monday night football. I mean, this is now also, we didn't even talk about it. Their uh, general manager is taking a leave of absence with health. Hopefully Steve Kime is fine and everything's okay. There a uh, team that's signaling to their players that they're done on this season, moving on from Tavon Mullen uh, out there as well. I mean, just feels like it's a pack it up game. Um, obviously the Broncos are going to have to still go out there and fight for it because it's an NFL game. They can't come in like, Oh, look at this Cardinals team. They're giving up on the year. Well, guys, you're, you're three and 10. Also, you can't be overlooking any team, but I think with Rippon, you see this Broncos team probably win this game. I'll go 17 to 10. Uh, and I think with Russell Wilson, I think it's more of a 27 to 16 uh, output on that one. So I don't know what Chad's going to want for a final score prediction. Cause he likes him on Thursday and we probably won't hear about Russell Wilson until, Friday or Saturday, but um, I don't know. I guess we'll have to give two different predictions on that one. And Kathy coming in, she says 1913 Broncos. And Aki makes another good point on this in the in the against Peyton crowd is the, the free agent signings. You know, when you talk about some of the guys you're trying to bring in to fix the right tackle position, one of them hasn't played it down, and one of them's played what two games? Randy Gregory, um, a pretty sizable two-year deal. Forget the $70 million. I don't want to hear it. It was two and 30 basically, which is still a lot of money. Um, but the, the, the way everything was set up is it's almost like he set himself up to be gone after 23 because a lot of the big moves with these big contracts can all be gone at 23. You can start, you can wipe the slate almost completely clean on this entire team in 2023, Nick. Yeah. Yep. I think you are. Correct. I mean, there's a few good moves. Kawan Williams been a great one. Alex Singleton's been a great one. Oh, there's Cam several good moves. We we yeah. you did a whole show on them. Yeah. Real real quick. Quentin Caldwell has an interesting question. He says, "Do you guys think some players on the team don't fight for extra yards so they don't risk further injuries during a losing season?" Um, no, I don't think the the record really has anything to do with it. I think sometimes players protect themselves, and I'm okay with that. One, I'm okay with them also going down. Sometimes you see a guy fighting and fighting and fighting, and he fumbles. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, kid, no one to go down. The, the the fight is lost. Protect the ball. And two, I don't mind at this point seeing a running back go out of bounds at the, the sidelines if it's close or a receiver or a quarterback going out of bounds and protecting themselves a little bit. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, there are circumstances when you want them to put their head down, and Russell Wilson paid the price on that. He made the right decision, bad outcome. Uh, he needed to go for that. He needed it for his teammates. He needed it for his fans. He needed it for himself. He needed it for the team. And he went for it. He doesn't do that on the sidelines uh, at, at midfield. And I wouldn't want him to. So, no, I don't think a losing season has anything to do with it, Quentin. But I think that's a, I thought that was a really interesting question. As far as the fighting extra yards, I just don't think the offense has been very good at creating yak opportunity. It's not okay. I don't think the players have been the best at setting up yak opportunities, the timing of the quick pass game, the location of the quick pass game. There's been a few plays where, uh, God, it was a home game. I don't remember which one it was, but Cortland Sutton had two yards of separation on a quick slant and Russell Wilson throws it and Cortland Sutton has to literally leave his feet and dive for it on a pass that is six yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And he, if you put that in his gut, He's able to, you know, turn up field and just be bigger than the cornerback for four yards. But instead, it's incomplete because he has to leave his feet and make a uh, mundane pass attempt with a spectacular effort. When you're doing that constantly in the quick pass game, you are not maximizing the windows opportunity. You're not maximizing opportunities for Yak. It's been an issue in Russell Wilson's career, and it's continued on uh, so far this season. 
Yards after the catch are about hitting a receiver while he's in motion. Mm-hmm. While he's in stride, not having him change his speed. But if he's in full stride and he catches it, he's going to get some yards after the catch. If he's running a button hook, if he's got a ton of space, but he catches it in a stop, you may be able to throw a head fake on a guy and spin the other direction. But it's it's not as probable. But a quick slant crossing pattern, I hit a guy in stride, something like that, he's going to get some yards after the catch. Yep. And that's and part of that is on the wide receiver too, you know, being able to be comfortable in how you bring the football in with your forward momentum. I mean, you see some guys, they have to like pretty much come to a standstill uh, to bring the football in where some guys, it's almost like they have uh, like, they bring it in like water, you know, it's just like all of a sudden just, they have possession of it. It's so smooth. Um, that's something you look for, like, especially in like water. I'm not sure I've heard it quite described like that, no, but it's just so smooth. It's just kind of like a, the flow of the ocean wave uh, coming you can in. See it. Like, like yeah. I said, there's, there's certain things that you can't measure, but you can just, you just see it. You just, yep. you can just tell. Yep. You know, uh, some guys one. fight the ball on the way in and some guys just Spider-Man the thing in. It just comes to them. It's like a gravitational pull. Yeah. And that's when I was doing some scouting uh, the other day, starting to dig into some of these players and uh, Trey Palmer from uh, Nebraska is the name LSU transfer. I think he was a four star, probably going to be a round three to late round four kind of guy. And they used him in the screen game a lot. And uh, he brings in that ball pretty damn naturally and turns himself from a receiver to a runner very quickly. Um, and Because like you're saying, if I'm, somebody that's really good at that wouldn't necessarily, if a ball's thrown slightly behind him, they don't have to stop, readjust their body the whole time and bring the ball in. They just reach back and catch the damn thing yeah. <laughs> and just keep going. There's Natural. There yeah. are different levels and for yeah. sure. And like I said, you th- those are things you can't measure. You just, you know it when you see it. He has that in his bag, you know, check that off. Let's see it a couple more times because once anybody can do it once, but um, yeah. So guys, we're at an hour and five. We got to get on out of here. Um, we had go have to go maximize our DVOA uh, for Colin Wood here. With the um, yak, we can, we can, yeah. The DO, the, the yak helps the DVOA for these SOBs. That's for sure. <laughs> but we got to go simulate some pressures here with our off ball linebackers. Um, everyone have a great one. Uh, make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you're following us at BFB underscore pod and at Mile High Huddle. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you're joining us at facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle pod. And please subscribe, like, and share uh, to our channel on YouTube. Click that bell notification so that way you know when we go live. Stingy coming in saying, Scott, better do your homework on the draft. Million questions. Scott's going to be down there at the Shrine Bowl. Scott's going to be down there in Mobile. Scott, you know, I appreciate it. We're at bowl season now. Yep, um, you know, I'll watch I'll watch all the bowls, and um, I will see 200 guys at Shrine Bowl. And, and, and the thing is, a lot of those guys aren't, which is kind of fun to a certain extent. A lot of those guys aren't first-round types. Mm-mm. They're meat and potatoes guys. You know, they're, yep. they're second, third, fourth. Um, you know, a lot of times the – the guys that are going in the first round don't make it to the senior bowl because they're already gone, especially the skill players. I don't go to the senior bowl to scout wide receivers. They're typically the high round wide receivers. Most of them are gone by the, they're, they're not seniors. They're coming out as, as juniors. Um, but guys, we're going to get on out of here. Uh, <laughs> sorry. We <laughs> got a work email. God, I'm just getting my butt kicked at work right now. Um, but appreciate the heck out of y'all. Uh, make sure you continue to choose compassion and kindness. Have a good one. We'll see you later. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country.